Hello, uh, welcome to episode number three of Isildur Shack. We have my co-host on, um, Terillion. Hi. And two guests, Sarp Karp, who... Hello. You may know him from his YouTube channel, um, which I think is called uh, by the same name. In any case, I'll be posting the link in the episode description when I when I upload it. And there's uh, Mythic. Uh, Mythic runs a very famous um, Twitter account, and he posts. He has one of the most impressive compilations of X Files creepy green text stories so uh welcome to the show guys hello hello thank you so what are we going to be talking about today cryptids everything hidden and unknown animals hidden and unknown animals yes hidden hidden unknown animals yes so while this might seem like a bit of a departure from our usual focus on Tolkien, remember that human knowledge is so limited and the unknown is so widespread that we have no idea so many years on, it's like seven or eight decades on, we have no idea who or what Tom Bombadil is, right? We have no idea who it is. Tom Bombadil is the ultimate cryptid. Oh my gosh! Please, just, just, just kill yourself, nerd. <laughs> just, 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 just die in a ditch or something. Terellian, like I believe you told me that the ultimate shame of Lord of the Rings is that there's a, all the other stuff other than Tom Bombadil, and the yeah, more yeah. you read it, the more you want everything else to be edited out in the Tom Bombadil section to be extended yeah, yeah. into an entire. Book. Yes, yeah. the more the more you read it, the more you realize that Tom Bombadil is actually the best part of Lord of the Rings, and it's awesome, and Tom Bombadil is a Chad. So, yeah. I, I mean, he single-handedly carb-stomps the Barrowites, right? Yeah. He doesn't even have to touch them. He just sings a retarded song, and the Barrowites just dissolve into thin air. So, do you think that the Mothman and Tom Bombadil are indeed one? So, okay, so, if Tom Bombadil is Vishnu, then the following are his avatars. There's Ungoliant, who is the first avatar of Tom Bombadil. Mothman, who is the second avatar of Tom Bombadil. The third avatar is Charles Coulomb, and the fourth avatar, who coexists with the third avatar, and his name is a Knight Errant, whom we haven't heard from for a while, so we all hope he's okay. Well, um, he, did, he Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> anyway. Anyway. So, yeah, so we'll be uh, rambling at length. Yeah. Do you guys want me to go into what a cryptid is yet? I think I, I can give um, like a formal definition, and then you can elaborate on it. Okay. Yep. That works. Cryptid comes from the Greek "kryptos," which means hidden, um, and it refers to any animal or alleged animal which has been reported, but which is not documented to the satisfaction of the scientific community. Okay. 
So, well, there you go. Yeah. Anyway, um, how do you begin with this? So, the delineation between what you could say would be cryptozoology and what would be normal zoology probably starts in the 1950s with this guy, Bernard Holfmans, who comes up with the definition of cryptozoology. And he has this colleague, um, Ivan T. Sanderson, who's kind of more outlandish than Hoffman's. Hoffman's is a very um, materialistic kind of person. He's a Belgian, and Sanderson was a Scottish man. Um, but the two of them are kind of credited with starting cryptozoology in the 1950s and the 1960s. It was Hoffman's definition. But really, if you go back to zoological books and tracts and articles from the 19th century and the early 20th century, things that would have been under the preview of cryptozoology or at least parts of cryptozoology would have been in normal zoology also the idea of the study of the fortin am i pronouncing that right uh Trillian? uh can you spell it uh <laughs> no I, I i'm not very good so, the fortin magazine yes yes so the study of strange and unexplainable stuff you could say it begins there and cryptozoology, what became cryptozoology, is also part of that. So cryptozoology, as it would be today, has this one foot in being an actual science of being zoology, while there's another foot of being the study of folklore. And it's going to be called a pseudoscience. And it's sad because there's some times where cryptozoology, when you look at Hoffman's work, and, you know, somebody like if I'm going to pronounce his name, Carl Shooker, if you look at their work or sometimes say uh, Lauren Coleman, their work is very scientific, but at the same time, you'll have lots of young earth creationists who are looking for the dinosaurs to prove the young earth creation. And they kind of throw garbage into it. And sometimes they're looking after real credible animals like a thylacine and they're doing so in a scientific way which would be scientific. Other times it would be pure pseudoscience when they're looking at something which you can't really observe, you know, some kind of um, paranormal creature. And the problem with zoology or cryptozoology, that is, is is all over the place. If you're picking up something about cryptozoology, is it going to be talking about how Bigfoot can use telekinesis? Or is it going to be talking about how there's woodpeckers that people have been seeing that are supposed to be extinct for 70 years. And there's this spectrum. So that's kind of the problem is it's hidden animals. And that can be four categories of animals that you're looking after. I would say the first one is going to be a Lazarus taxon. That is an animal that is believed to be extinct, but is found alive. And this is where it gets to something that could be very plausible from a zoological point of view. The thylacine or the Tasmanian tiger, an animal that I believe was declared extinct in Australia in 1986. Two days ago, a bunch of cryptozoologists who have not released a video to my knowledge yet claim to have video of a thylacine family on a game cam. Um, there's numerous videos of alleged thylacines on game cams thousands to possibly tens of thousands of sightings of it. So that would be a credible Lazarus taxon. But 
it goes into the uncredible stuff where there's people that believe that there's living dinosaurs. So that would be the first type of animal. Then you have vagrant species. And this is really interesting. This is where you would begin to have something invasive or it's an animal in a place where it shouldn't be. So this is often alien big cats are a pretty big example, which is one of the most common cryptids is people seeing mountain lions in the United Kingdom, people seeing tigers in Canada. And there are logical explanations for that. Um, you know, if you ever saw Tiger King and how many tigers there are in the United States is more than there are tigers in the wild. So that's pretty logical. But there's also stuff like kangaroos are seen throughout the United States all the time. So that would be a vagrant species. Saltwater creatures that live in the Great Lakes, like bull sharks in the Great Lakes, which could be, a, you know, champ could be a bull shark. Or mount, uh, a sea lion could be the Loch Ness Monster. That could be a vagrant species. And then the third one you'd get into, and this is the one that most people think about cryptids are going to look into, and that's going to be unknown animals. An animal that would be unknown to science, and that's where you get into it kind of moves away from stuff that we could really prove. And you're going into the Bigfoot category, the Yeti category, um, these animals that would be physical animals, but they would be completely unknown to science and probably be a new genus. And when you're going out into this third category, this is where you're shifting from stuff that's pretty credible into that pseudoscience category. And I don't mean to be mean, maybe Bigfoot will end up being real, a real ape. And a lot of the times you have people that are, if they're going after something like the Mokele and Bembe, and they're, they're basically creating this urban legend and just creating this feedback loop that's creating a, a pseudoscience. And that's a problem with this. And then finally, the fourth category is outright supernatural animals, something like the Mothman or the Supercarbra, which can't be like, really be explained in terms of a material animal. Some people, myself, um, sometimes will put Bigfoot in that category because Bigfoot has a lot of supernatural stuff that can go along with it. But this fourth category is very eye-catching, but this would fall completely out of the physical sciences. And it goes more into that ghost hunting, ufology territory, and something that's completely unprovable, something you can never find evidence for, the goat man, the moth man, and so on. So... Um, That's kind of my breakdown of my four categories. If we want to talk about those categories or shift into talking about how the paranormal monsters of cryptozoology fit in the Catholic cosmology. Okay, so number one, people see kangaroos in the United States. Yeah, phantom kangaroos are pretty common. Yeah, uh, because, yes, yes. because they'll escape, for example. Yeah, so people... <laughs> You know, some people would say there could be unknown kangaroos or there could be escaped kangaroos and they have breeding um, breeding populations. For instance, I think in France and the United Kingdom, there's breeding populations of wallabies, um, which are invasive species that actually have been as successful. Um, they aren't quite as invasive as wild hogs in the United States, aren't quite as successful as them, but they're able to have a breeding population in the wild. So I mean, I mean, some of those vagrant species are the beginnings of an invasive population. I mean, if you're talking about a successful invasive species, you just have to look at the uh, the koi carp 
um, you need only a couple and within a very short period of time they're going to fill up entire rivers I think I think uh, this has this has happened in um, the Everglades uh, region more than once I do I do remember seeing a news report about it uh, not too not too long ago um, yeah there is uh, Everglades is now there's highly successful Burmese pythons in the Everglades see there you go so as as Catholics so I mean you don't have to to a special place in any kind of cosmology if you're talking about uh, things like the Koelakanth, um, a fish that was supposedly extinct for tens of millions of years, but they found uh, living fossils of, well, well, not, you know, living fossils, but uh, living specimens of. It's an, that would be an example of a radical uh, Lazarus taxon. Yeah, so you don't need to appeal for any um, special place in that kind of cosmology, but, um, but type 4, the more obviously preternatural entities um supposing sub supposing they exist where do you uh, think and i'm asking this question of the three of you where do you think would they exist like um how do they fit into our cosmology like uh, are yes. they demons are they angels are yeah, they possessed yeah. are they separate yeah. creations yeah I mean, just a um, short a answer now, because because we do have a um, segment planned out where we talk about this at some length. Well, so. there are several suggestions. So one is that they are the result of um, demonic possession or demonic shenanigans, mm -hmm. right? You know, a demon possessing a corpse might be the basis for vampires, for example. A demon possessing a particular living individual uh, might be the source for something like werewolves. Uh, the various kinds of demonic activity could be the basis for, you know, various forms of shape-shifting creatures or monsters uh, that we've documented. And you could throw a lot of stuff into this category. Uh, another one that people have suggested is that there were angels that didn't take a side um, before... Uh, uh, when uh, Lucifer rebelled and that they have a kind of intermediate position and are often responsible for whatever supernatural activity seems to be relatively ambiguous or benign in character. Um, that would be another example. Mm -hmm. And that's something that comes up often. And while it is heterodox, there is some patristic and theological basis for it, although how much there is is hotly debated among um, people in these circles, and my friends included. I think I'll pass it to Serp. Yeah, I remember we were talking about this the other day, Trillian, and you were talking about the possibility of a dragon being a possessed chicken. Could you elaborate on that, for example? <laughs> <laughs> um, well... I know that sounds kind of goofy, but if you look at various older depictions of St. George and the dragon, you don't have these gigantic, beautiful reptilian creatures. What you have are very, fairly small, maybe dog-sized or lamb-sized or cow-sized, uh, deformed creatures that often look 
you know, maybe bird-like or like frogs or something like that. They really aren't the kind of romanticized dragons that you see in, you know, things like Tolkien or uh, uh, A Song of Ice and Fire. They're, they're really, really disgusting and abominable creatures that look very incoherent and even sick. And so, who knows, you know, some... You know, maybe a cockatrice is literally just a rooster that got possessed by a demon and uh, went around causing trouble for people and its size was exaggerated or increased by demons. I mean, we know demons can deform people and make them physically strong when they possess them. Why not do similar things to a rooster? <laughs> yeah, all this goes to show that tarred strength is diabolical in origin. Yeah. And I mean, in the absence of a documented breeding population, uh, you know, because there are many cases where you might have a monster, which you would expect to have a breeding population if it has been attested throughout the centuries and thus be more frequently seen. In the absence of that, you can only really appeal to the supernatural, and that's one thing you can appeal to. Yeah. All right. Um, does Mythic have anything to add? Yeah, so, I mean, if you look at, like, a lot of the stories in folklore around different cryptids, like, there's ones that, like, indicate that it's more than likely of a demonic origin, like, things like skinwalkers and wendigos and uh, werewolves, you know, they, they just seem always evil, almost. So you gotta, you know, I err on the side that those are of some kind of demonic origin um whether they're you know like skinwalkers whether they're like possessed witch doctors who trade their humanity for preternatural powers and basically become like demons <clears throat> but then you have other things like you stated like things that are more benign um and that's where the middle angels like who didn't choose a side would come in and that's i guess you could say stuff like the fey or gnomes or uh, stuff out of folklore i mean there's a common belief in the middle ages that the fae were middle angels that didn't choose a side and were kind of cursed to live in this like in-between existence i guess um you also have of, the um the fawns for example that saint anthony met in the desert yeah, yeah the, the satyr and the centaur um like that's a big one i mean and the, the weirdest thing about that is the Sadar, like, asked St. Anthony to pray for him and his people. Like, he was one of the things that the Gentiles worshipped as a god. Um, you know, asking for prayers from a saint doesn't seem to be something evil. Well, as um, it says in First John, test all the spirits. And he says, you know, whichever spirit says Jesus Christ is Lord is from God. And whichever denies him or refuses to acknowledge him is not from God. In this case, it would seem that this can't really be a demon. Maybe it's a spurious tale, but in this kind of context, it can't really be a demon. I think, yeah, the satyr spoke to him, and the centaur just, like, yelled some incoherent babble at him and, like, pointed in a direction. So there's, like, debate whether, like, one of them was demonic and the other one was something else. So that's that's interesting. I mean, it's interesting that the... That the um centaur would not say anything because i mean i mean he said something but it was in a was in an unknown like language well there's also okay. other accounts where for example fairies actually often can't speak human language yeah but they could sort of imitate it 
or say sort of things which would indicate that language is very, very closely tied to having a rational nature and um, having a rational soul, so to speak. And so there is the suggestion that some of these liminal or elemental beings are a type of... Semi-rational? Close to rational, but they're like a type of animal created by certain angels or by God that is just extremely rare and doesn't exactly have, have a nature that we can accommodate into a naturalistic framework as we understand it. Even if they might not be properly speaking supernatural. You know, like an elemental creature, for example. Mm -hmm. um, and that these might have been um, intended as beings that would uh, act as caretakers of the environment, for example, before the fall. And afterwards, they became isolated to just a few locations. That's one suggestion I've heard. Yeah, I've heard that as well. And I mean, we have on good authority that elementals are real since Tim punched one in the face. Yeah, and I mean, that guy's a turbo trad and a rigorous Augustinian, so it can't be a heretical position if he believes it. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Yeah, because I cannot um, claim to have had a run-in with any elemental creature, but which is surprising seeing as I come from India. And, oh, but one time you saw a fish. Uh, well, uh, yeah, that. I, I will be talking about that, but <laughs> that, yeah, that, I, it was just, that was more weird than anything, uh, but yeah, we can explain that one yeah, later. Yeah, we can. We we can. We, you know, though, what's it's it's surprising that um, even some um, so so if we say that liminal beings are either actually or are descended from. Uh, angels who uh, refuse to take a side it's it's quite interesting that they would in that case be afraid of of um of objects that are imbued with um with um sacred power um for instance um crucifixes are supposed to scare away the um she in Ireland. Um, All of them, without exception, or just certain segments of them. Um, they they just they just do not approach you if you if you have a crucifix on your person, or if you are carrying um, any blessed salt or any kind of um, a missile or whatever. Um, so so it is it is interesting that they would. That they would be repelled by um, such um, sacramentals. So that I mean, which tends to throw a spanner in the idea that uh, they would be neutral angels rather than demons, for example. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so 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 I have this very interesting book by um, Brian Frude, um, and it's illustrated by Alan Lee and the illustrations are beautiful it says that if you if you 
one of the um, sections says if you mark a a loaf of bread with a cross then fairies will not dance on it they will not take it they will be dissuaded from taking any any uh, loaf of bread that's 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 marked with a cross and that's just that's just that's definitely interesting to think about yeah so we don't know what the uh, what such liminal beings are but we do know that they uh, tend to occur around um, or, or, or they tend to be associated with UFO um, sightings yeah there's a great overlap between um, UFOs and fey folk and Bigfoot and all these supernatural cryptids and animals and I mean when you're talking about the for the fortin and um that kind of thing is that there's huge overlap so if you look like in 67 and point pleasant where you have the mothman and then you have all these ufos all of the um men in black men in black of course to those who don't know no they aren't part of a government agency they're very ignorant very odd creatures that pretend to be men but aren't men um, and then you have something like Skinwalker Ranch, where you have all these different weird things all happen, like it's some kind of energy of strangeness. And that kind of feeds back into this idea, it's a demon that's doing it to trick people. Or it's like some kind of fairy doing it that would be like a middle angel that's fallen to the earth that's doing it to trick people. Um, can I say something about, about the uh, uh, men in black? Yes. It's very interesting, I'm sorry, that that you would bring up um, the uh, the energy, the atmosphere of strangeness, because I I don't believe I have read any account as unsettling as as those of the uh, Men in Black, as reported by John Keel in his book on um, on. Uh, the uh, Mothman, which is which is called the uh, Mothman prophecies. Now, Keel uh, says that the Men in Black would would be dressed um, very formally in 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 uh, black suits with over with black overcoats and black um, uh, caps or black top hats or whatever. However, they would be totally bereft of social graces they would walk into a diner right and then they would pick up a um, salt um, shaker and they would go up to the um, counter and 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 ask things like what's this salt shaker can i can i can i keep it can i keep it and then they would just leave they would just a ride would just a ride around in sedans stop at diners and shops and so places um and and um, places like that and they would express a very strange very unaccountable interest in just tiny daily things um a paper clip or, or a pen or something equally equally small and they would just request to keep them and they would not know how to 
how to use a knife and fork, for example. So, so um, again, you want to go into Valise and uh, Keel's understanding of UFO knots as opposed to aliens? Uh, yeah, I will um, in a few um, seconds. But I, I just, I just, just, I can't help but wonder if the FBI and the CIA aren't actually hiring cripplingly autistic people as their men in black. So, well, yeah. Vali talks about this in terms of so Vali does not believe in what he calls the extraterrestrial hypothesis to UFOs. Yeah. And this yeah. goes into the idea that UFOs could be demons or could be fairies or it's some kind of force tricking people. But this is the more supernatural understanding of UFOs. When UFOs come down and Vali talks about this, and this goes into the concept of high strangeness, oftentimes the UFO cases that have the most validity are those of high strangeness, which would not make sense for an alien to come down to the earth and do something like aliens come down to the earth and steal potted plants. So when we go to Mars and we set rovers down on Mars and we take a few samples or we take a few samples of the moon, are we going over and over again hundreds of times to steal potted plants? Or are we sending out a few things to map out the planet and then just leave? And exactly, yes. So, for instance, Vali talks about this one in excruciating detail at the beginning of Passport to Magnolia, is this UFOs that come down, I think it was in Iowa, to this, this, farmer's, and he, this farmer's farm, and he lived by himself. And they come down, and they're these, like, they look like Italians, is what he described them as. These small mm -hmm. Italians that came out of a UFO. And they ask him for water in he gives them water and in return they give him buckwheat cakes he had the buckwheat cakes and he gave them to the fbi to examine so that means that this case has an extremely high level of validity because he had the buckwheat cakes and he gave them to be examined buckwheat buckwheat cakes are like a certain type of pancake by the way um, um, but this is a this is high strangeness. Yeah. And oftentimes what happens with UFOologists is that they throw away the high strangeness and they took the less viable or well attested, well attested cases and they try to make systems out of that but and they're trying to systemize it and create these grays and stuff. But all these gray cases, right? These aren't very valid. The valid cases are the strange things that the Italians looking for water from outer space so, or the moth I think, man. A good, I think a case in point for this would be the Voronezh incident, which you know it's about. The Voronezh incident. Again, very extremely well attested to hyper high strangeness. Do you do you want to talk about that, Trillion? I don't remember all the details, but basically aliens came to a playground, I think, in Russia. It yes. dozens of people, and they all reported seeing it. And 
these aliens just did a bunch of very, very... These seeming aliens did a bunch of strange things that it would just make no sense whatsoever. Well, they used metal rods like wands to, like, lift children in the air and stuff like that. Yes. And yeah. they're dressed like 1950s, like, monsters from... Like, this is in late 80s Russia and the collapse of the Soviet Union. And something is really interesting about... About the collapse of the Soviet Union is all their UFO stuff at that very end. We have it. And they're literally taking this stuff serious, trying to use the UFO hypothesis and trying to figure out this. And they literally go, this is just chaos. We can't understand this. Yeah. So that's one of the biggest problems that you you, you run into when it comes to studying cryptozoology or UFOs and the like, is that a lot of people, they insist very, very strongly on scientific explanations and they want to accommodate it to a paradigm in which these beings are, you know, extraterrestrials trying to explore the earth. But in doing so, they either end up needing to mutilate or completely throw out a lot of the best attested evidence and rely on a lot of more poorly attested stuff that's more obviously made up or can more obviously be explained alternately. Um, and that's that's a major point of Jacques Vallée's uh, book, Passport to uh, Yeah. Um, as well as Kiel. Kiel and Vallée, I don't know if they knew each other or ever collaborated, but their hypotheses are almost identical, I would say. Um, and what's most charming about them is that they don't present any strong hypotheses to begin with they just they they just express their utter helplessness in the face of all, all, all of this evidence all of this lore which i find quite refreshing when compared to um um scientists right who say oh they must be extraterrestrials who want to come over and and carry out cartographic analysis of earth or oh maybe they took the buckwheat cake because because they wanted to find out how carbohydrates work or something on the other hand strange behavior is very well attested um in in the in the case of of the um, folk for example there's this village in county Durham in England called Ebchester. Um, around uh, around that village, um, there's this there's this um, bogey uh, called the Headley Cove. Um, it would often appear, and this is and sightings go back to the um, to the seventeenth um, century. Um, he would often appear. And he would present himself to, let's say, some old uh, lady gathering um, firewood. And he would transform himself into a truss of straw. And the lady, when she bent over to pick up, um, when she would bend over to pick up that truss of straw, this creature would disappear and then from a distance you would hear a very loud very obnoxious braying laughter and that would be it now it just 
it just it's just it's just so removed from the paradigm of rationality as we understand it that we are left confused now when you talk about extraterrestrials uh, making scientific expeditions to earth right or sending ahead um scouting ships or whatever you are expecting them to act under the paradigm of of a of a scientific rationality and mindset but that doesn't but that doesn't really that doesn't gel with the behavior that they have actually shown scientists don't travel interstellar distances to ask for a paperclip or a um or, or to give people buckwheat thing, yeah. Yeah. Or, or to give people buckwheat or to uh, cause a kid to levitate in the air. and Or to warn school children about global warming in the middle of Africa. Yeah, or, or you know, to uh, sexually violate people, you know, if you're into those sorts of tales, or to take them to... Or to cut out guts from uh, cows in the middle of North Dakota and Montana. Yeah. Yeah, cattle, cattle... Uh, cattle mutilation is another it's it's another of those of those um tropes here's the thing when we talk about this too is these are so bizarre these cases that it leads credence to them in high strangeness because how do you make it up if you're going to make up this report you're going to say I was abducted by aliens in my house and they look like gray aliens and they told me um, exactly where they were, right? And they pointed on a map where I was and so on and so forth, right? The Benny, is it Benny Hill abduction? The first gray abduction? Possibly. Possibly. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and you're going, and then this gets recreated as like this copycat of this talking about this abduction you're not going to say it was it was a cat person who like it was a female cat person that raped me and here's all the strange burns that can't be explained by science yeah yeah it was a uh it was a dog shaped like a banana that raped me <laughs> uh yeah so where we left off we were talking about abductions correct correct yes so we were talking about the barney and betty hill abduction and about how all the grays come from this there is some strange stuff that occurred in um the betty and barney hill abduction itself but uh i don't know if you want to go off into talking about scientology or anything but most abduction stories again are something that's done through suggestive hypnosis so i would say uh scientifically speaking are pretty much worthless but most people when they tell of abductions they're going into the same set of stories and a lot of time these stories and they don't mash up with what's really occurring but with um i mean they don't have as high credibility because there'll be less witnesses. But the ones that will have more witnesses and where you have high qual higher quality witnesses and witnesses that don't have any reason to lie and where things are left behind usually are instances of high strangeness. Right. All right. Do you 
do you suppose that that something happened during the well between the um, uh, 1950s and the 1960s when the narrative regarding um, extraterrestrials and UFOs um, changed from um, the benign uh, space brother such as um, such as in the um, Michael uh, Rennie uh, movie or like the... or like Nordic aliens uh, from my understanding I haven't read enough history the problem is there's not very much historiography about ufology uh, I have one historiographical book and I think that you read it as well because um, I suggested it to you but it yeah. seems from my understanding that from the 80s onwards that these creatures became increasingly more dangerous and scarier yeah in the 1950s and the 40s um because... before the abductee thing there were contactees and contactees are the the entire culture of it basically changed from contactees to abductees into the being exactly, yeah. cattle mutilations and high strangeness and getting weirder and scarier i mean in uh, 1951 you had uh, this uh, this uh, movie or was it in 1955 no it wasn't in 51 it was in 55 it's called the um, day the earth stood still where um benign aliens come to earth and then they um, tell people to not proceed along a certain course of action which is sure to bring a ruin upon everyone and from there and from uh, movies like close encounters of the third kind and even et as a late very episode. positive very positive yeah, very positive right and et was as late as 1982 Again, I might be getting my dates wrong, but we can uh, we can obviously uh, look it up at some point. From there, you go um, to that to that um so that Charlie Sheen movie. Uh, uh, it was what, what was it called? It was was in the was in the early nineties, I think. I don't think that it's Charlie Sheen that made that movie, but you're talking about Fire in the Sky. Um. Well, I could be talking about that. There's also the one that Charlie Sheen acted in. Um, what's it? What's it called again? Ah, it's called the Arrival, in which, in which, um, in which the which what happens is okay. So the scene. In E.T. was there's this um, there's this con there's this contactee right, and he's you know he established a rapport with the alien in question. However, in this movie, um, the alien is now placed several layers beyond um, beyond the um, the potential contactee. He now has to navigate through increasingly dangerous um, military and government outfits, and what he finds in the end is he can't even he can't even make sense of what he finds in the end. It's that confusing. And I think kind of a big focal point in the change 
in um, the view of UFO knots, I think even more than if we're going to pinpoint that movie is actually uh, Whitley Stryber and uh, Communion. Yeah. It's pretty, uh, I mean, you've read Stryber. I haven't actually read that much of Stryber's fiction as a horror fan. That's Maybe that makes me an imbecile, but it's intriguing to note that Stryber was a well-known horror author. He wrote Stryber's The Hunger Stryber. and Wolfen. And, and he was an established writer, the Night Church as well. Um, and, um, and he did also write a number of um, uh, millenarian uh, uh, fiction. It's like it's like it's like um, he, he wrote the um, uh, twenty twelve series, so uh, War for Souls and all of that. Uh, so that's basically Y two K, but so it's basically Y two K left behind fiction. But mm-hmm. much, but much more insane, and with and with um twenty twelve and there's a lot of he, Quitley so, Stryber he is he reads like a very seriously disturbed man, that's all I'm going to say and um. Now. There's this um there's this book. Can I return to Stryber though? I want to oh, yeah, I want to yeah, talk yeah, about. Please. Um, so Stryber I, I, was, I was a horror fiction writer. He was pre-established as a horror fiction writer. And then uh-huh. he comes out in 87 and says, this is a real thing that happened to me, which already casts a lot of doubt onto it. But Communion was was a huge hit. And Communion is a, is a much more terrifying ordeal than you would see in... Um, Travis Walton's pretty scary, and that's where Fire in the Sky, the film, comes from. Mm-hmm. But of course, the the culture would have existed with um, Close Encounters of the Third Kind versus Communion is like day and night. Yeah. So if you want to go go ahead to where you were before. Oh, I was I was just going to say that uh, there's this um, psychiatrist guy who wrote a book called Abduction, which is which is basically uh, his own. Um, studies over a couple of decades of of abductee reports. He suggested, and this is, and this is something that's, it that's going to interest everyone here. He says that people, um, that a couple of people that he knew, whom he, whom he um, saw in his capacity as, as as a psychiatrist, they, both <coughs> of these people experienced an encounter with aliens one of them soon after viewing a tv program based on striber's communion the other was abducted um after reading the book so shortly after he read the book he he was abducted now um i'm just saying that the cover picture in in striber's book there, uh, there are there are some some people. I think, um, I think it was probably Mac, John Mac himself, who uh, described um, the cover image as uh, as depicting, you know, the um, classic gray alien features. He described them as why as a wise and far seeing, but I find, but I've always found that image very unsettling. Now, we know that certain uh, highly charged demonic images have a certain um, 
potent life of their own. So I think those, I mean, it could very well be that those um, abduction experiences that um, that John Max and two patients experienced were a direct result or maybe, yeah, or something of that sort. Because, yeah, you know what I'm getting at, right? So you're implying that the demonic imagery implied by Schreiber and others is is kind of infecting people through occult means? He, it certainly was infecting a lot of people um, throughout the second half of the 1980s and throughout the 1990s. And now they now they seem to have dropped off because as I, I was remarking um, in the group chat a couple of um, days ago, um, public interest in UFOs noticeably has sustained evaporated after after 2005 2006. So um, being being just being just. So... Mm-hmm. Go on. How would you respond to the idea that this is just a psychological phenomenon that takes different forms depending on what's popular in the media or broader culture? You know, something that, you know, back back in the, the day, it would take the form of fairies or something else that was a bit weird that people believed in, and now it takes the form of aliens. Right. Um, um, how would you respond to that and substantiate the idea that instead it's you know, these other beings, say demons or whatever, who are instead aping these popular tropes and the like. I believe that's directly what Valet says, is that they're yeah. some kind of other entity which is aping what appears in popular culture. Yeah. Because because uh, Jacques Valet says uh, something that's, I think, absolutely crucial to understanding um, a liminal phenomena like this. Uh, he says, uh, and he's talking about e- e- UFOs, but it has a much wider applicability. He says that UFOs are, quote, constructed both as physical craft and as psychic devices. Now, what would you uh, make of that, Terillion? What would I make of that? Yeah. I both have no psychic- idea what to make of it. Yeah, I, I really have no idea what to think about that thesis. Could you elaborate on what he means exactly? So, um, so, so, basically, um, Jacques Vallée's conclusion over the course of of his of his books is that you know, based on statistics, on a statistical analysis of those sightings that are the most convincing um, and that have um, the uh, most uh, witnesses, they can't be interplanetary spaceships, right? UFOs have to be something else because there are simply too many of them. It's not likely for a civilization to send astronauts who would, over the course of several decades, abduct about 2 million Americans. What astronauts, what civilization would create an astronaut, uh, would create a core of astronauts that would just abduct millions of people. Doesn't make sense. 
their physical proofs of UFOs, right? But they aren't. But they aren't exactly what you would expect. They're anomalous, okay? And they're burns and butt ke- butt wheat cakes. Yeah, yes. Yeah. Yeah. It, it, it just it just it just doesn't just doesn't make sense now father seraphim rose um he says that it's very possible that there could be you know occult groups in our operations um in operation all around the world who could produce phenomenon similar to those produced by ufos um he he compares those anomalous phenomenon um, to those produced by a sorceress of antiquity. I do not know how much sense that makes, but I would not be surprised if Seraphim Rose had actually hit the nail on the head with that one. So... I, I suppose that the more important question is what are the points of commonality, right? I mean, Jacques Vallée does show throughout his books that that there were many points of similarities between fairy encounters and encounters with UFOs, um, certain, certain instances, certain patterns of high strangeness. Now, do you think these patterns would apply to seeing other cryptids as as well? You know, Sasquatches and Bigfoot and Dogmen or whatnot, right? I mean, what what's the what's the common thread connecting cryptids and UFOs and fairy activity? Do you have any insight on? Well, if you talk about something like Skinwalker Ranch, um, this same activity, it's like hot spots of activity, like that there's some kind of energy or hot spot for it. And this is kind of seen again and again in certain uh, places. Certain places will have Bigfoots, but also UFOs seen there. Kind of something like a uh, haunting, right? Yeah. A haunting of a physical area like a large physical area results in these otherworldly creatures or uh, ufos and ufo knots um something i'd like to know with the connection between fairies and ufo knots is uh the abduction of children or the taking of sperm and eggs to create half-breed children this was something that was seen a lot with fairies and something that's seen a lot with ufo knots and alien abductions it's something that was also explored at uh, length in some of the later seasons of X Files. So, of the of the X Files. So, um, yeah, uh, we do we do see that. But yeah, there is there, there is a certain fascination with the human body, which is fairly strange, but. That does seem to be a very common theme. Um, Whitley Stryber talks about 
talk talks about this in in communion he does uh, describe in a very graphic manner how how the um how the probes and such work <laughs> yeah yeah that's um, pretty creepy yeah it is so you on the camp that Whitley Stryber might have been talking about real experiences and that um, he was it somehow he's a deeply disturbed man or um, with the occult or something? I mean, Stryber was a practicing Catholic to the best of my knowledge, but he's lapsed now. And and OK, let me say this. The night church. The Night Church might be his sickest book yet. Okay, it's a deeply, deeply, deeply disturbing book. It's, it's. I, I would say it's more disturbing than um, communion. And yeah, I mean, just, just look at the name of communion. I mean, just look at that name. You know, isn't it a demonic inversion of? Of communion, of, of of what communion stands for to us. Mm. I think that I, I I don't I I I do not know if he was actually abducted by aliens. Although he does say that he was abducted and he was raped by aliens um, when he was seven or eight years old, I think. Um, even if that had not been the case, then we can say with a very great degree of certainty that he is a very disturbed man and, again, very likely to be demonically oppressed. I see. So, if we can maybe move on to the next topic now. But yeah, so, so, my, so my question is, okay, so we know what the um, what the um, patterns are that are that are common through throughout such um, such uh, things uh, such phenomena but what about the people who get abducted i mean have we have we ever had any high profile abductions or um, fairy or witnesses to fairy events um, high-profile Catholic abductees in, have have any of the people who have come across these things been Catholic? I mean, does that does that often come up in any of? Do they them? tend to be degenerates? Do they tend to be good people? Yeah, you know, people who meet Bigfoot also like what are their typical traits? According to Keel um, and Guide to Mysterious Beings, he said that a great many people are committing adultery when they see this stuff. Now, he didn't make anything of that. I don't believe that, I would assume he's agnostic or spiritual or something, like a non-Christian, but a he obviously believes in metaphysical uh, realities in his books. But he doesn't seem to have any Christianity or Judaism or any um, main religion. Um, as far as I know, I don't know anybody who would be very devout that has ever encountered um this stuff it seems to be i would say it seems to be people that are usually devout don't have these encounters that being said 
um, I've, the sociological stuff I've heard is that people that have the encounters don't necessarily become atheists. Uh, many times they'll maintain their religion, which is interesting as well. Uh, I have also heard that um, people that are abducted tend to be, it tends to run in families as, as if it were a curse. So if their parents would experience abductions, they would experience it, or it would be through a family line that people would experience abduction or abduction-like phenomenon. And it seems to be an inherited trait. Now, that could be a curse. That sounds a lot like what uh, Father Ripperger says about generational spirits. Yeah. Which is a spirit that is attached to a particular family line and will tend to torment them and instill particular vices in them uh, over the course of generations. Yeah, that makes sense. I mean, a lot of the stories I've read from anyone who is Catholic or Christian, the strangeness generally seems to be of a very straightforward demonic nature, you know? And then you hear these stories of people who don't have a religion and the experience is different. It makes you wonder, you know, if it's all just demons and knowing that they're trying to trick the people who aren't Christian into presenting themselves as something else. Like a lot of the faith stories I read, like, you know, it's, it's stories passed down from, you know, old pagan grandparents or something who keep the fairy folk, old fairy religion in Europe or something. I've actually heard some stuff about, you know, encounters with Bigfoot, for example. And it's basically that Bigfoot is actually quite dangerous and unfriendly, apparently. Um, does anyone have any information they'd like to share on that? I know if you go into the 411 stuff, uh, Bigfoot is supposed to be an incredibly dangerous creature that you should stay away from at all times. Uh, so I think the most famous researcher of fairies themselves, I think he was an Anglican bishop. He might've been a priest, um, in Scotland. I'm trying to figure out his name. He wrote the secret Commonwealth. Are you talking about Montague Summers? Oh, no, Montague Summers. Uh, it's, uh, Reverend Robert Kirk. Ah, okay. Yeah. Montague Summers was just a, a fraud. <laughs> well, okay. I don't know. I mean, are I mean, we going to go off uh, off into the middle of nowhere to talk about Montague Summers? No, but uh, just long story short, there's no evidence he was ever actually ordained. Well, he's probably an old Catholic. Yeah, maybe he got old Catholic orders. I think it's been, I think he was ordained an old Catholic. Oh gosh, that is really sad. I mean, he's a, that's not a rare thing. Most people that are into a cultist or for higher exorcist are usually old catholic yeah you you actually do have this to, to go on a bit of a tangent you do have this phenomenon um known as these people known as streamers who basically receive ordination from independent catholics like the old catholic church and other schismatic groups so that they can perform white ma magic it's pretty messed up but you have to this is a pretty old that's definitely it has hundreds and hundreds of years of history behind it. 
Yeah, that's not surprising. There were a lot of uh, itinerant priests and bishops in the Middle Ages that would have done this sort of thing. Yeah. And well, curse people in funerals. And... Yeah, well, well, for example, you know, you have people like the Pardoner in uh, Chaucer, who's, Correct, yeah. you know, an unscrupulous guy who sells uh, absolution. Yeah. Which, by the way, is a very, very, very serious offense. Yeah. yeah. But anyway, yeah, so... Um, so, so, uh, Mythic, what's the overlap between cryptids and uh, Missing 411? It's like, it's like, look, we know that a lot of the, um, stories, a lot of the um, green texts that people post on, uh, the paranormal boards on the chans are, uh, made up shit. I mean, we know that, but... There are some though that have the um, that have the uh, ring of truth. Um, do you have any choice examples for us? I mean, uh, that that uh, that would, you know, shed some light on on the on points of commonality with what we have been talking about so far. I mean, they're all pretty all over the place. Um... I think the best stories that I've read are, they don't even happen in America. Like, I recently posted one about a uh, park ranger in Russia. Mm-hmm. And I, th- I think you read this one about the deer. Yeah. Just the, the, all his stories revolved around these deer. And these deer just displayed a very strange behavior. Um, one guy in the thread actually pointed out that they some of the behavior that they had was similar to like mad cow disease. Um, right. But as far as missing four one one goes, I mean, missing four one one always seems to be. I don't know. Does does Politis even have a like a hypothesis at all? From my understanding, he was originally trying to support Steph with Bigfoot, and then he doesn't have a hypothesis, and that he kind of leaves it hanging. This is comes to my great shame. I've not actually read the book myself, or any of the I, uh, I sequels either. to it. Uh, from my from my understanding, what David Polaitis does is he. Again, I don't want to be mean to him, but it says that oh maybe I will. Okay, so it's it's basically the publishing equivalent of erotic teasing. If you buy my <laughs> next book, maybe you'll find the answers there. Maybe you'll find my hypothesis in the next episode of Dragon Ball Z or something. Let's yeah. find out. <laughs> yeah. Let's find out on the next episode of Dragon Ball Z. Yeah, it's it's kind of like that. I mean, he he originally, as as uh, Menji said, he originally did uh, want to um, push the Bigfoot hypothesis, but I don't think he sucked to it. And by the way, um, he his his work was debunked by um, some. A Reddit lady. Um, who, yeah, I saw that. Yeah, who uh, ran some some um, skeptical inquirer, 
Did it actually? Is it actually a convincing debunking? No. Debunkings are usually really inconvincing, like uh, the Mothman's a giant owl and stuff like that. Oh, okay, so you weren't. You and the swamp serious. gas and stuff. So you weren't being serious then. Okay, I wasn't sure. Politis just seems he seems like he's just pointing out that there's a lot of strange activity that happens in national parks and state parks and that even, you know, our park service is aware of it and they cover it up. Do you guys want to talk about favorite cryptids? Are we in that segment yet? Um, I, I, I want to listen to you guys talk about um, the Mothman, which is, which is uh, my favorite cryptid. Well, I would definitely say the Mothman is not a uh, physical being. Definitely a supernatural creature, if not an outright demon. He comes off that way for sure. Um, of course, there's the, the catastrophic collapse of the bridge and the end of the Mothman sightings. Now, I guess some people would say that Keel basically created the Mothman. Um, it's just kind of this thing that he attracted to, like, he took all these UFO sightings and everything, because they would say UFO flap, and then he created a story of it, and the Mothman's a creature of that story, um, kind of like the historic, historic graphical view that it was kind of created, and people will take this historical graphical view, um, Mokele and Bembe was created by, like, young Earth creationists trying to go... Right. And to Africa and search for it. So it creates its own urban legend and it's not very deep and it didn't, right? And um, I mean, I don't know if that's true because there's a lot of people who are still alive that talk about it and they're on record of talking about seeing it. And I mean, Point Pleasant, um, you know, it wasn't a very big town, but it had quite a bit of people see it and quite a pe bit of people are on record of saying that they saw it. Interesting. I will believe literally anything that people tell me. I'm, I am at that point of my of my research degree where I don't care. I just want some content. So, <laughs> well, I mean, here's the thing. Um, I mean, Friar and I are both academics. I mean, I guess I guess I also am an academic as well at this point. Uh, and. Uh, Nothing will dampen your confidence in the establishment and in debunkers quite like being one yourself. Yeah. It's like... It's like when I uh, went up to um, some old ladies around Christmas and, uh, and, and I asked them to take off their masks and I told them, I am an expert myself, believe me, I don't know jack shit about anything. And you are much better off not believing experts because I am one. I know how we function. We're all frauds, every last one of us. <laughs> and yeah. yes. But I don't know. Do, Mythic, do you know that much about Mothman sightings outside of Point Pleasant itself? Is, is the Chernobyl stuff, is that just internet uh, garble? Is that just X of... The Mothman at Chernobyl is the Mothman been seen in Chicago. I don't know that much stuff about Mothman outside of Point Pleasant. Well, no, I mean, 
the Chernobyl stuff is the only like similar stuff I've heard about Mothman, the the giant vulture or whatever you want to call it at Chernobyl. Uh, but other than that, I'm not. I actually don't know a whole lot about Mothman. I I will admit I stay away from Mothman and Bigfoot. Anything that's like super mainstream, like I have no interest in. I hate to say it. Yeah. Oh uh, yeah, that that uh, Russian sleep experiment copy pasta on our no sleep. Man, fuck you. Well, I mean, no sleep is basically a bunch of people who will it flatly admit that they're just playing pretend. No sleep is just it's it's the exports, but it's just Reddit, so it's, it's Reddit, so it sucks. Yeah. I mean, everything about Reddit is terrible. Yeah. I mean, who's going to write a better scary story? A, a legitimate schizophrenic kid on the 4chan or some normie on Reddit? But wouldn't even be a normie, it'd be a soy normie. Yeah, I mean, normies are way better people than Redditors. Yeah. And yeah, I am a schizo, so yeah. Uh, just so you guys I know, do regularly he's... browse X, by the way. I've never browsed I, it, funny enough. Um, well, whenever I browse it, I usually just send you pictures of the latest iceberg memes. I mean, those are great. Those oh, yeah, are really those, great. Are, those are awesome. So, half, the, half, the, half the posts are literally just dudes asking how to summon a succubus. Which, I mean, if my experiences have told me anything, um, having sex with a succubus is extremely unpleasant. Here's something else oh, here. Yeah. Oh, oh yeah, 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 yeah. So, okay, so rule of thumb from Isildur Shack: every time you have a nocturnal emission, know that that's a succubus trying to harvest your semen to create a half-human, half-demon hybrid. Based and schizopilled. Based and schizopilled. Anyway, I was going to say that there is kind of a Christian minority on X. Oh, yeah? I have no yeah. Um, I assume that it's probably heavily Catholic and or Orthodox, but... Uh, there is something that's interesting, and this has become kind of a big meme, and we're going off on a tangent here, is, like, neo-pagans aren't really a thing on X, and people have moved from, like, neo-paganism to, like, Gnosticism now. Really? And there's a lot more Gnostics on X, and, like, Neo-Pagans aren't really a thing anymore. Is there a reason for that, you think? Uh, Neo-Paganism isn't a... Like, the Brahmin religion wasn't very spiritually helpful, was it? No, it wasn't. So if you want to be, fuck you, dad, fuck you, mom, fuck you, dad, kind of thing, well, it's better to be Gnostic than this boring, like, Brahmin religion. Uh, Reconstructed Brahmin religion. Okay, so... So... If you are a Brahmin, you have to follow which, very which precise, you are, which you which are. Which I am. You have to follow very, very, very precise rules of cleanliness, right? And that's 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 about sixty-five percent of what it means to be a Brahmin. You do not touch a sudra. You do not um, let a sudra's um, shadow fall on you, as you go to the village well. You do not eat food offered to you by anyone other than another Brahmin or a king 
or you know in a in a pinch a vice a virtuous vice and it's all a bunch of these rules it's boring stuff right however if you want to appear smart to your brahmin classmates what you say is man i've transcended the caste system man i now believe in 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 channeling brahma directly okay i'm going to dissolve my own atman in the brahman okay i'll see you i'll see you tomorrow okay now i'm going to stop breathing and become god that's that's gnosticism in a nutshell for you can i pick a uh cryptid that i want to talk about great yeah go ahead okay so i want to talk about mokele and bembe and the idea of mokele and bembe being a dinosaur obviously i would say like extreme um lazarus tax on stuff it's really stupid to say it's going to be a dinosaur and if you are a younger creationist and you're going to see a dino you're going to say it's a dinosaur and that's why you can argue it's a dinosaur first of all that's really really chad and second of all uh good luck with that anyway um now if we're going to talk about old earth creationism and you know the dinosaurs died out 65 million years ago even if they were pleistocene dinosaurs which i mean i'm sure that if they found uh you know some fossils from 64 or 63 million years ago they uh and they weren't redisposited they would be destroyed by uh all the spooks of academia but that's a huge gap there's no way it would be a dinosaur and it kind of it just pisses in the well because the thing about mokele and bembe or the supposed sloths of like south america and you know a thylacine for instance in new guinea is there's uncontacted tribes there and we know there is uncontacted tribes first of all how many uncontacted tribes do we know about or do we know about how many do we not know about anywhere where there is an uncontacted tribe i would not be surprised in the slightest if there's mega undiscovered megafauna i there. mean there are there's over a thousand languages in new guinea okay yes so any you know any weird giant monitor lizard or thylacine in new guinea or giant sloth in the amazon or the andean uh highlands was so not reachable except by helicopter and there's uncontacted tribes there yeah i'm gonna believe that there's a giant sloth there that seems pretty pretty freaking possible to me um mokele and bembe being a dinosaur not very possible mokele and bembe being like this really big long a long neck monitor lizard possible mokele and bembe being some kind of aquatic forest rhino possible mckayla and bembe being a lazarian possible um you know that's definitely something that's in the reign of possibility and and you know maybe we should give credit to it especially something like the thylacine and kind of a problem of cryptozoology is where you have all these young earth creations going into the congo to search for a hidden dinosaur to prove that the earth is really 6,000 years old, it kind of pisses all over the place of, well, there's 5,000 confirmed well-regarded sightings of the thylacine throughout Tasmania, New Zealand, and Australia. And this animal 
last captured subject was in 36 and it was declared legally extinct in 86. So if people are still seeing it, first of all, that's a high priority. And second of all, you want to save you like it's a high probability and a high priority and you want to save that animal. You don't want that animal to go extinct. And, you know, I think that the chasing after Mokele and Pempe is kind of pissed all over the saving the thylacine camp of cryptozoology. And that's kind of the problem with cryptozoology is that it just has one foot where it's like trying to find these animals, which may be really rare. And then a second foot into like, you know, so let's go find the goat man, bro. So, so, um, so if, if, if I had to, if I had to compress what you're going to say, cryptozoology hasn't made up his mind if it wants to be a schizo science. Yes. Okay. Yeah, that, that, that. That's that's kind of that's kind of the um, problem with the entire branch of speculative theology. To be honest, I mean, yeah, we don't. Surf is a he's a real cryptozoologist. I'm the schizo. Like, I want to find the goat man. I'm not saying the goat man's not real. Like, I'm saying that there needs to be goat man studies on the side, and then finding like animals in in Laos they on the other side. It's it shouldn't be conflated, conflated under the same umbrella. Yeah, they need a split. And that's kind of, and it kind of pisses on. Let's find this weird deer in the Laos, in Laos, or let's find uh, the you know this woodpecker that's supposed to have been dead for like eighty years, and people hear it all the time in Arkansas. Like it kind of it kind of like having them under the same umbrella makes it so that it kind of is like you throw away the thylacines and the woodpeckers and you go after the goat men and the mothmen. I'm not saying that the goat man's not real, but also if you're going to chase down the goat man, what happens if you find him and he kills you? Well, you presumably um, try to live stream on Twitch TV first and then... Uh, are we going to go out to the forest of Maryland and live stream our Goatman expedition before we get slaughtered by him? Yes. Uh, yeah, yeah. That's, that awesome. That's a very good way to die. You got to go to the, the Michigan Peninsula. That's in the middle of the Great Lakes. Apparently there's you... a lot of weird stuff that goes on there. Oh, the upper peninsula of Michigan? Yeah. Yeah, I know that there... Like, there's another cryptid that's like, has to exist if we're going to... Can you know, both sides of cryptozoology. There's definitely cougars in the Upper Peninsula, for example. Yeah, so um, what are they called again? Vagrant species? No, that would be just an animal that would just be, it's good at hiding. Like, mm -hmm. people are like, there's no more cougars on the East Coast. They got hunted to extinction. It's like, no, they are out there. No, they all moved to Boston. Yeah. Anyway... Should we talk about the goat man? Do you know that much about the goat man mythic? I've read stories. That's about it. I mean, I read a lot about, I read a lot of stories about him just because there were sightings of him in, uh, like Southern and, uh, the middle of Missouri. And I grew up in Missouri. Oh, tell us, tell us about him. I don't know a whole lot about him that he's a goat man. It's, it's a lot of the stories are similar to like, I guess skinwalkers, but not so 
not so there's not as much of an occult okay. side to not it. Not as schizo. Um, yeah, not as like it's just, demonic. It's just goat headed Bigfoot. Basically, it's a dude like I, those stories I read were always the dudes who trained down in uh all the military guys. There's a training camp in Missouri, and they would always see him apparently. Okay. Yeah, it's probably a CIA experiment that went wrong back in the seventies. My favorite schizo story is the uh, the guy who was camping, and the goat man saved him from a skinwalker. They fought each other. Okay, that's, that's like the hottest thing I ever heard. I gotta find Based. that one. Okay, you should that, read that one. That sounds like it's not true, but I want to believe. Totally it. fake. <laughs> I thought a skinwalker is basically invincible, though. Yeah, that's why it's fake. Yeah, the, the, the native lore is the only way to kill a skinwalker is to discover that person's real name, and then you have to say it to them, and it will kill them. Isn't that like Isn't exorcism? That... It's. That... I mean, that's how they did it, basically. More to the point. More to the point. Isn't that like a Rumpelstiltskin? You know, I haven't read that one yet. But... Surprisingly, I mean, I've 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 read the story before, but I I haven't read it in the original yet. Yeah, because because um because the way Rumpelstiltskin was stopped was. Was when the princess. I mean, my memory is very hazy on this. Uh, is is when the princess um said his name out loud to him, and that gave him a certain and that gave the princess a certain sort of power over. Well, well they talk about that. Like Father Rimmager talks about that. Like, I mean, names have authority. That's why you yeah. can't name your guardian angel. So yeah, there's some kind of truth to that, but. On that point, it's like, you know, as Catholics, we believe, obviously, the only people who can do an exorcism would be a ordained priest with faculties. But you always hear in these stories, like skinwalker stories about, you know, to take care of it, you go to the tribal elders and they will give you prayers or whatever. And it takes care of the issue. So what do you guys think about that from along those lines? Like, I guess, folk exorcisms. Uh, God can, I mean, God's giving them the power to heal. Yeah. I've heard basically the idea is that God gives them the power to heal uh, the demons out of people, basically. But my inclination is basically, you, you remember how Christ, what, what, we should remember what Christ said, which is that if a demon is kicked out, right, and the person doesn't get their house in order, it'll come back with seven of its friends. Yeah. Yeah, and that, that's sort of my inclination here. Like, maybe there are some cases where demons are casted out, you know, outside of the uh, the true faith. But if those people don't convert or at least get their life in order, it, it it's not going to do them much good in the long run. Yeah, you can essentially bind it, but there's no protection from it coming back. Yeah. Yeah, that is... That is... I... Um, that kind of fits in with 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 what we know, um, with some uh, native uh, native lore from from back home in India. Oh yeah, uh, yeah. So this is attested to. It's not just uh, us Catholics patting ourselves on the back. Uh, no, it's 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 happened like reasonably often where 
where um, where the um, local uh, witch doctor can adorn as a witch doctor because because that's a feather Indian and not a dot Indian thing. But you know. Well, a witch doctor is a cross-cultural thing. It's just anyone who cures things caused by curses and all. Yeah. I mean. Yeah. Well. I mean, isn't it, witch doctor a a slur against uh, shamanism? Um, well, no, it's it's just witch doctors are specifically meant to cure stuff caused by sorcerers and the like. Yeah. Whereas shaman is a, shamans are people who, using certain, um, you know, either hallucinogens or some kind of products, uh, commune with the world of spirits. It's not quite the same thing. There's overlap, but they're not the same thing. Yeah, well, uh, witch doctors in India will often burn um some 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 leaves or herbs and uh they will often succeed in uh, restoring um the afflicted person to its state of uh, normalcy and health we aren't it doesn't usually make the news how often that state of health lasts but uh there are some you know back home um, back and back in my hometown, where um, I know people who have had, who have been healed by, by, um, by uh, witch doctors. So, yeah, it's not just it's not just Catholics patting yourself on the back. Now, do I believe that this is another instance of of um, of, of ecclesia supplet that the church supplies? Uh, yes, because you know there's. Nothing good that happens happens without Christ, right? So even if a Brahmin is saved, he's saved not by Krishna but by Christ. Um, so likewise with this. Extra ecclesiam nulla salus. Extra ecclesiam nulla salus. You know what? I'm not going to edit that out because yeah because we love our listeners and yeah and i think it's necessary to emphasize yes don't play with false religions guys become catholic yeah <laughs> just yeah for the record become catholic there's we have funny hats we have bacon we have lint yeah so i so... mean we also have exorcisms that work yeah and eternal life we also have exorcisms that work and eternal life. But supposing you were so supposing your um Saint Michael uh, medal ran out of charge or something and you came upon a cryptid in the wilderness, what would you do? How would you stay safe? Run. Don't well, don't like go depends. towards these things. I mean, if it's if it's like a straight up demon, obviously it's gonna operate like demons. So, yeah, if God wants it to torment you, then you're shit out of luck. But it's probably not gonna kill you. Now, if we're talking about cryptids, like liminal beings that aren't necessarily demons, they might be some kind of temporal creature, like say Bigfoot. Then I'd yeah. say I don't think a Saint Benedict medal is gonna do anything the same way it's not going to stop a bear right although 
Um, I mean, obviously, if the goat man or skinwalker is going after you, uh, you know, pray a lot. But first of all, you shouldn't like. We have a mutual friend, Knight Aaron, who once thought about chasing after this witch near where he lives. And he thought that this would be fun. And then he thought about, well, that would be a stupid way to die. Yeah. I mean, sure, you're going to go off in the wilderness and look for something. But if you don't know how to hike very well, then you shouldn't go off the trail, buddy. And yeah, yeah. Aside, aside from Mythic and Terlian and Menji, Knight Errant, Gabriel, Simon, I, we are all very out of shape. So, yeah. Aside from Mythic, I, I am. All... I am not out of shape. Well, I, I wouldn't say I'm out of shape. I'm just not in my best shape. But yeah, the rest of us are all out of shape. Yeah, I could do better. Yeah. Um, yeah, Mythic is in fantastic shape. Um, so, so, so but I, don't, don't search for cryptids. It's a, that's the thing. Yeah, like, you well, don't yeah, go out of your well, way. You know, I'll put it to you this way. Would you go out of your way to fight a bear? No. I mean, I'd hunt bear, no. sure. But... Okay. How much worse would it be to go and fight a cryptid? Okay, let's say we're going to say find Bigfoot. Let's say Bigfoot is a real creature, right? So... Yeah. If you hunt down a mountain lion without a gun, what could happen to you? You're gonna get raped. What what's gonna happen if you if Bigfoot you chase down Bigfoot without a gun? Or with a gun, because supposedly Bigfoot's supposed to be able to really confuse people. Um <laughs> Good luck with that. It doesn't seem like very safe animals to be around. Confuse, confuse people in uh, what sense? Um, Bigfoot's supposed to cause, like, really, uh, he's supposed to cause people to be either very confused or be panicked. Um, there was a guy on YouTube that was suggesting that, like, there's a, a natural reason for this in the sense that tigers and other big game cats can cause sounds that we can't necessarily hear, but what, what cause, like, damage to our ears and cause yeah, us to go into panic frequencies that can induce fear and stuff Mm -hmm. and bigfoot physically might be capable of doing this because it's uh i mean not due to being garbage but due to being um you know uh, (laughs) an actual hunting technique is that they can induce fear so if you're going towards i'm gonna say it (laughs) joggers yeah, I mean, joggers, you know, they have that special uh, ability to hunt people with weird frequencies when they carry their boomboxes. <laughs> I'm sorry, I had to. Yeah. Well, we did say this was a racist Tolkien podcast. Anyway, please go on. I'm so sorry. Well, anyway, um, when you use a boombox, or uh, when they use their natural boomboxes, tigers, they can cause you to go into panic and, and make you very nauseous and sick. Tigers? And, yeah, tigers can do this. Um, Dude, no so idea. Bigfoot does this to people as well. I had no idea tigers could do this. Yeah. And they could do it to people. Yeah. That's amazing. That's... Yeah, I mean, you shouldn't chase down tigers unless you're a tiger-chasing specialist. Uh, now, I mean... As Bigfoot's some... probably as dangerous as a tiger. Well, 
probably I mean, significantly more. I mean, at least as dangerous as the tiger. Yeah, I mean, tigers are insanely dangerous, though. I mean, I mean, you grew up near enough to tigers, didn't you? Uh, yes. Yeah. How many tigers? So I have a question. I mean, we're just going like grotesquely off topic. Hey, I'm sure it's going to be fun to listen to. Yeah, but this is, this is what this so I've always noticed, as far as like Asians, uh, Indians, despite how poor and how shit filled the streets are, oh. seem to take a great deal of um, care towards the natural environment compared to say Chinese or Southeast Asians do. Yeah, it's the Dharma. Yes. Dharma be like that. Um, isn't there like isn't there like people with machine guns that like defend the lions? Pretty much, yes. That that uh, yes, my country does not my country hates poachers. That's based. Yeah, I hate poachers too. I really one of my least favorite white nationalist canards was where they would like be like only white people care about the environment and it's like I think Indians care about it more than um, than like English people do. For the vast majority of human history, Indians and East Asians cared far more about the environment and animals than we did. Um, and I mean, it probably comes from the fact that they were uh, followers of influenced by Dharmic traditions, which place a strong emphasis on not harming even animals, whereas we followed a you know, Abrahamic tradition, and I don't mean that pejoratively. I mean, I am a Catholic, but I mean, it is true that Dharmic traditions emphasize yeah, but... care for animals more. Well, like, I mean, yeah, we look at animals as God gave them to us, and we have authority over them, and I think that gets abused sometimes. Yeah. Yeah, yeah like, like it lends itself to certain kinds of abuse. Can I just, can I just restate something? Mm-hmm. Um... Again, this is just to clarify, but this is one of the reasons why I Abrahamics know they can't be real Nords. Says says the uh, says the darky. <laughs> says the says the cursed son of Ham. So oh my god. So <laughs> is there a lot of cryptids of India? Well. What was, like, the thing where there was the monkey man that walked <laughs> yeah, through Delhi? Yeah, I was, I, I, I was just about, I was just about to, um, to, 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 um, think about that. Again, we don't know what happened to the monkey man. He just, people just kind of, uh, lost interest after, uh, after a while. It was, was this, like, a long time thing that was happening in Delhi? Was this, like, um, months or years? Months, probably. A month. Um, so was there literally just some kind more, of monkey man? A little more recently, there was there was this um, um, creature called um, the Bhutbilly. What that means is um, a ghost cat, and 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 was supposed to be a cat human uh, monkey hybrid that um, just crashed and wounded people and gave people a rabies um and that's and that was and that just happened several times uh, this funnily enough was um around the so this was around 2002 2003 which is exactly the time when india had had its um largest um, frequency of ufo sightings now 
incidentally, that's exactly the period of time when Discovery Channel would broadcast UFO shows for hours and hours on end. Um, you know, there's a correlation. I'm not sure if 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 there's if there's a causal chain in there somewhere, but meme magic. Meme magic. I don't know. Yeah, meme magic. I mean, does the I think it's called the Mahdi Barung. Oh, They're supposed to be Yeti seen in Northeast India. Oh yeah, um, uh, uh, Yeti is the abominable snowman. That's that. They're pretty big in um in the um, Northeast of India, but uh, people they just so Hindus nowadays are busy killing Muslims and um talking about um bombing Pakistan and asking white women for pictures of their breasts on Facebook. So um, They're not really interested into the Yeti? They aren't interested in the abominable snowman. Much more interested in Bob's and Vagine. Pretty much, yes. And so so if an Indian man ever comes face to face with with the abominable snowman, what's he going to say? Is he going to say show Bob or is he going to say bitch lasagna? Anyway, do you believe in Yeti since it was closer to where you grew up? Oh yeah, I mean it's only it's only like like a couple of hundred miles, um, so about about three hundred fifty-ish miles north of my city is where the eastern Himalayas begin. Uh, it's a very 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 densely forested region, so yeah. I could literally just like drive for like thirty minutes and like be in the so-called Bigfoot territory. Yeah. From What's the difference between a Yeti and Bigfoot? Uh, I think they're seen universally everywhere. I don't think it's a... I don't know if there is a difference. Well, uh... Maybe there's like a height difference or something. There's also... Yeti's supposed to be white. Uh, yeah. I was going to say there's supposed to be... Aryan? Difference in color. <laughs> yes. Aryan Bigfoot. Yeah. The Yeti is the Aryan Bigfoot, yes. So, 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 um, another, uh, another thing since we, um, since we brought up the succubus issue, um, what likelihood is there that cryptids can breed with human beings? Now, we will be discussing this at length in our next episode. We will have another guest on, um, and, if you guys want to come on, you can come on again. Um, and we will be discussing a book in the uh, next chapter, um, Demoniality by um, by uh, by um, Sinistrari. Now, in order to tease that, I'm going to ask, is it plausible that cryptids can breed with people? And when I say cryptids, I mean cryptids in the broadest possible sense so right from um big i mean it's in the bible uh so i think it's supposed to i I love it okay go on i mean mean, it's in the bible uh the traditional 
and overwhelming patristic interpretation is that Genesis 6 is referring to angels breeding with men uh, and not um, Augustine's interpretation, which is the idea that it was a breeding between the line of Seth and the line of Cain. Uh, yeah. Yeah, I mean, it is possible. Well, that, How it occurs? Well, that that is the most, no more popular now. Yeah. Doesn't Bigfoot kidnap women and, and have sex with them, and then fairies have halflings, and, and gray yeah. aliens like have halflings as well? It's so universally attested. Yeah. Which, of course, is further evidence that they're not just aliens. Also, there, I think there were, um, you know, some of the more scientifically inclined uh, cryptid followers would say, that cryptids are that the UF, that the Bigfoot and Getty and Alamos and Yaren and all the, you know, all these creatures, in fact, re, uh, remnant relic populations of Neanderthals. So, in fact, they're raping women to be more Aryan. <laughs> <laughs> well, similar. The hills have eyes. Well, similar behavior has been um, shown by by more. Um, well, less urbanized populations. So, yeah. I mean, more urbanized populations? Less urbanized populations. Who oh, are, okay. You know what I mean. Everyone here knows what I mean. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, yeah. So, yeah. You know, sometimes you just want to go for a jog and then you see a nice white woman and you. Take her home with you. Just, just, just hit her on the head with the with the um, pack of menthol slings that that you were carrying. Oh gosh! Oh. <laughs> <laughs> anyway. Yeah. Yeah. So 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 um uh, next week. Yeah. We are going to um do it weekly so um yeah so if we can't manage it next week we'll see um i i i have um several several um topics uh, lined up i have um several things to say by myself as as well in particular i would like to expand on um uh, ufos and demons because because there are many points that we uh, were not able to um, touch on in this episode but uh yeah well, well we will be seeing you when we'll see you and thank you menji mythic for coming on thank you it was great uh go to my youtube channel and subscribe to me and subscribe to my bit shoot bit shoot channel uh surf curb Okay, uh, we will be posting the link to that, and we'll also be posting the link to Mythic's um, Telegram channel, where he posts um, posts some screenshots of of um, schizo posters on X who tell their uh, run-ins with demons and cryptids and skinwalkers and African Americans. So, yeah. We, Indians well, are always so much more racist than we are. I mean, dharma literally sanctions racism. It literally thing. sanctions racism, yeah. How much do you, like, with the internet and with high-caste Indians that can speak English, 
Will the alt-right be overtaken by Hindus? Yes. Well, we do need to remove the Filipinos from the positions of power first. So, yeah, so between 2014 and 2021, the alt-right has been an, an overwhelmingly Filipino movement. So we need to change that. We need, we need to replace them. Based. Yeah, and that's about it. We shall be seeing you again next week. From the edge of the Midgewater Marshes, we were, or we have been, Nice Beam Friar and Terry your hosts, with Menji Sarpkarp and Mythic, our guests. Bye-bye. <laughs>